for June 5th, 2023. It's the Overthinking It podcast, episode 779. Three. Welcome to the Overthinking It podcast, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. You know, the overthinkers are your smart, funny friends on the internet, and we're always glad to see you. Always glad to hear from you. Always glad to know what's going on. But if we're not following you on Facebook that closely, don't take it personal. I'm here with another one v one me bro with Mark Lee. <laughs> hey, Mark, how are you doing? I'm doing all right, Pete. Um, I uh, oh, so just following up on our video game discussion from last night. Speaking of one v oneing, um, not a multiplayer thing, but a single player thing. I beat the latest Star Wars game, Jedi Survivor. Awesome. I will. So, but, so you did get voted please, off the Jedi Island? No. Please clap. Um, this is a big, this is a big achievement. Um, I did it at the second hardest difficulty level, um, which I gather from what I've heard about people talking about online is kind of a big deal. All right. Okay. So Pete, I'm kind of a big deal when it comes to star Wars Jedi survivor. You know, I always did believe that Mark and, uh, specifically about star Wars Jedi survivor about other things too. I could be the tale of the hard show can say only about that one thing, but no, you were also really good at fallen order. No, you're the <laughs> rogue. <laughs> Squadrons is your is your big one, right? Your big uh, uh, squadrons, not, not yeah, not the big squadrons. Rogue, rogue, rogue squadron, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. Cool. So, no, wow, so like what's... My, my flying days are, I, I will admit, are are, are past me. Um, I, uh, um, I, I've, I've lost my edge. Really? I, I have to turn my wings in. I just don't is play that... the game much anymore. Like you, oh, you could... spend, you know, you, you spend several weeks um plowing through a single player game and not touching the joysticks, and you get rusty pretty fast. Gotcha, man. I was thinking a whole era has come been and gone this whole time and you're not even playing that game but no you mean you were just playing the other star wars game that you have yeah yeah right now. Exactly. okay yeah. is there going to be one where you have to be in a boat is that because you're going to use all the modes of transportation right you got to walk and fly <laughs> you got to be in the spaceship uh, I, I haven't played enough i got to play more of the uh these jedi games so that i can make jokes about them because they seem like they might be funny to make jokes about but maybe not i don't know they are they're they're, they're they're funny and fun all together and yeah. to answer your question pete they, yes, they should make a uh mon cala specific open world game by which yeah. the entire planet is just water akbar's <laughs> bungalow yes exactly it's a tailspin remake <laughs> Admiral Akbar is actually running a tiki bar in the South Pacific, and you have to fly sea, sea speeders to and from different ports of call while avoiding uh, Mon Carnage and his, uh, his, his <laughs> and, and, ver- and various traps. Exactly. Exactly. Says. Yes, of course. Excellent. And, and Grand Moff Khan and his uh, tiger in a in a business suit. Excellent. So yeah. So here we are. It's the Overthinking It podcast. Matt is still sojourning on the celebration of his nuptials, which we are so grateful that he has endeavored upon with such uh, unceasing joy, and uh, even to the extent of not joining us for the podcast for a number of weeks. We are surviving. We will eventually, by the way, we have it penciled in, be talking about Fast X. Uh, We have not forgotten, but it just seems that with just the two of us, it would hardly be adequate for such a massive movie and and kind of massive undertaking and also mark it you have told me you haven't actually seen like any of these movies probably i've seen years. like like a, a cumulative total of one and a half across of like four yeah, movies that boggles my mind that's like stranger than you not having seen highlander by an order of magnitude that you were on this so. podcast for all these years well just because we've talked about it so much and i didn't know it's not strange that you haven't seen them it's strange that i didn't know that i didn't have that in my mind actively in you my know, memory look at, at a certain point it, it starts to become a bit 
and I have to yeah. have to get commit to the bit, which is not seeing these movies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, now that now that you've made the commitment, you've got to stick with it. Mm-hmm. Well, I believe we're looking at the 18th, right? 18th into the 19th of this month I as so, our yes. target later, for Fast later in X. June. Yep. Once Matt's back. And we can come at it with full force. That's the idea. So we want to do justice to what might be the greatest movie ever made. Maybe, you know, anything's possible. Yeah. Is it unsurpassed uh, and unsurpassable? Uh, well, I mean, it's got Jason Momoa in it. So that's kind of halfway there living on a prayer. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have seen it and it is great. Uh, but also, I'm not surprised that you haven't seen it. And I don't think you would like it. But it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> but I'm waiting for everyone else to get a chance to see it. Because uh, strangely enough, you know, whilst you know, uh, enjoying the Mediterranean beaches, uh, you know, going to watch John Cena drive a uh, 90s Mustang is has not been a high priority on uh, Mr. Rather's list. But today we wanted to talk about a slightly different cultural phenomenon and one that we that has been huge. This is this is I don't want to say it's the, been the biggest thing, because the biggest thing is usually something associated with K-pop. And I'm only vaguely aware of it. But like <laughs> the biggest thing in the world that I've been seeing in a pop culture sense is also something that is being seen and expressed in a kind of a new way. And you and I both are very much on the periphery of this. You and I both don't have a ton of personal experience of what's going on. So I don't think we're going to drill into the specific event, but the circumstances of the event and really the semiotics around how people are talking about it. What sure. is known about it? What do? How do we learn about it? And what do we know? And what is the nature of our knowledge? It, it's something that I think we want to talk about today in the mm-hmm. context of a bit of a bigger conversation. Of course, you have a guest by now that we are, of course, talking about the huge asynchronous uh, shared celebration that is Taylor Swift's tour, right? Taylor yep. Swift's big tour. That is the thing. The Eras tour. All the Eras, eras. tour. Which, fittingly enough, is happening at the same time, but at different times, to people all over the place, right? It's uh, as in as in you mm, see yeah. people going to the concert through various means of that you might use to see people, and they all are going to the same concert, but it's not the same concert because it's a different city, right? There's a different opening act associated with the city because that's something that Taylor Swift has always been great about. Has been about uh, kind of putting herself over with the fans by picking collaborators for her shows that stretch the notion of who she is as an artist and also that in, in endear her and kind of uh, give the locals a reason to come see and to feel appreciated above and beyond just watching her. I mean, I was so impressed years and years and years ago when I first heard Taylor Swift uh, invited Ludacris on to open for her or like perform with her what? when she was in Atlanta really? at one point. Oh, that's yeah, great. yeah, yeah. That's good. Because well, I was I was I, when I was first kind of forming my initial opinion of her. As and and this is like what I would think of her as a pop culture phenomenon. Once she was bigger than just somebody on the radio, it was really along the lines of somebody who was probably the master at crossing over, who had been a country artist and has sort of moved into all these different circles, even beyond the sense of of musical genre, right? Like into being, you know, a tabloid celebrity, into being like a you know a, a women's icon, into being. And these don't seem like big jumps, but it's like. The way that Taylor Swift seemed to do all these things, uh, a, a short film director, right? A, uh, mm-hmm. a, a, you know, someone who plays on urban contemporary radio as well, right? Somebody who, you know, hosts Saturday Night Live and, and is, it does it so effortlessly, that kind of thing. Um, uh, it, it's, it's the kind of thing where 
uh, I was just always always impressed by her her intuitive sense as a business person and probably her rational sense as a business person for what to choose to do in order to extend into the uh, frame of reference of the audience that she was in front of. Right. Like, how do I appear for them? Uh, And I guess how do I appear for them is maybe a question of of note for today's podcast because i think we're gonna ask this question in a bigger way but it's almost like if taylor swift's concert were happening in a nexus if it were happening in some huge you know infinitely large cgi generated hypothetical arena like the senate and phantom menace where like the only part of it that exists is the part the camera's pointing at at any given time right but like i I thought you're going for star trek generations uh oh oh that nexus where like it's just it's just shatner chopping wood it's, that's well, no, it's, it's, it's this notion of like, you know, linear time is kind of broken down, right? And you're kind of experiencing lots of different things at once. Oh, right? that's interesting. Yeah, I yeah, was thinking right? of more like so, like the center of the blind eternities or something like a great room where all the universes converge and like you can travel to from all the universes. The idea that people in different cities at different times are all going to this place to go to the same uh, Taylor Swift concert, which is hmm. happening in four dimensions, right? Like, or five dimensions, because like you can experience it asynchronously in time with frame of reference for us and the speed of light. Uh, but you're also talking about it as a sort of collage of experience that all these different people are having that then takes on different meanings because they're in their own experiential worlds as they're experiencing this Taylor Swift concert. Yeah. And to be uh, clear, right? Like the form for all this that's happening is Instagram stories. Right. At least yes. For me. Right. And so that's <laughs> yes. like, that's what we're talking about here. It's like, you know, we're, we're, this is a little bit based on uh, kind of the spinning off of last week's conversation. We started talking about Discord and Reddit, um, but we kind of extend this out to the broader social media phenomena, um, at least as like as us two forty something bros, yeah, <laughs> dad bros are are experiencing yeah. it. And well, of course, we're gonna wildly extrapolate from there. But yes, the kind of like the thing that prompted this was like I noticed that my Instagram stories would on a fairly regular basis feature friends and acquaintances, um, or also just like you know notable celebrities that i follow post on their instagram stories um a picture of them at a large football arena with a large crowd with a stage there and it's like oh okay this is happening yeah <laughs> to them i'm happy for them that's great i love that you got your taylor swift tickets like absolutely is this is, is this flexing online yes absolutely <laughs> would i do the same thing if i went to the taylor swift concert concert yes did i did i do that when i want to see the killers i might have i might not have I'm not exactly – I'm on social media in not a particularly active way, which we'll talk about later. But, yeah, that is a phenomenon kind of like the, the, the observation, the very basic, obvious, um, anthropological, sociological observation of just being on social media uh, that's prompted this. Pete, have you seen this as well on your Instagram? You, you still you, – you post – you actually post stuff on Instagram, but I assume you also consume the stories and have seen various friends, acquaintances, and famous people uh, post themselves from a Taylor Swift concert. Yeah, it's really interesting. It's interesting because it's the only event I can recall where I my main source of information about it is Instagram stories. <laughs> <laughs> like like there are definitely are events where I've had multiple different people that I know or even know closely attending the event who don't know each other, who will give differing accounts of the event. And, oh, that's and, interesting. And, and like the, the number one event for that is WrestleMania, because I have a bunch of friends <laughs> who all would love to go to WrestleMania, but who don't know each other. And so like there are, there's definitely I will say WrestleMania Facebook is different from Instagram story Taylor Swift semiotically in terms of what is the nature of the what is the 
nature is a lazy word. What is, what are the the operations of of truth that are taking place? Like how is truth being revealed, uncovered, created, and understood uh, in this context rather than the Facebook WrestleMania context, wherein you know you're scrolling through your Facebook and there's maybe maybe there's three or four different people who all went to WrestleMania or are currently like they they went together. It's the next day or it's that evening and you're looking at it and they're all giving accounts of something that happened at WrestleMania that they really like. And so you'll get a bit of information about this thing that happened at WrestleMania. You get a bit of information about that thing that happened at WrestleMania. You might get one huge post with a ton of information about different things that happened at WrestleMania, and then you'll get these pictures. And so through these various different narratives, you could use a social media feed to assemble something of an understanding of WrestleMania. Now, it wouldn't be this this would get into an interesting philosophical area be, and one it's interesting in particular i think because i'm surprised at how few people seem interested in it when i have random conversations about philosophy with people on the internet which is the idea of i know that my information is not true as in if in the sense of like directly congruently perfectly true like if i were to assemble all of the different accounts that i have of wrestlemania they would not all agree with each other Right after a particular WrestleMania that I saw on social media, they would not all give the same information. A lot of it would just be based on opinion and feeling. And I wouldn't have enough evidence to really be certain even that WrestleMania had truly happened. Right. Like like (laughs) you're you're sort of you have to reconstruct it in that sense. It's not really a very privileged form of knowledge in the uh, attitudes of a lot of people, but it has a correspondent relationship with truth in the sense that there is something at least I will assert for the sake of this conversation that there is a thing in the world called WrestleMania, <laughs> right? Or at least let me even let me even go deeper than that and say there is a series of kind of to some degree unknowable physical events that are happening, which are giving off sensory information and are associated with a bunch of mapped semiotic, you know, truth and uh, semantics and symbols and symbolism and all that stuff that that all can go conveniently by the name WrestleMania and that all of these accounts are about it and that there is, even if it's not a perfect relationship, there is a relationship between the accounts that I'm finding out about WrestleMania and something that is actually happening for various meanings of actually happening. Okay, WrestleMania, I'm learning about WrestleMania from Facebook. Fine. This is very different. Like learning about, and again, I think I would not deign to say, I don't. I would hope that I would not deign to say, except when I'm joking in a sardonic and sad way, that our experiences, Mark, are are any more important or better than anyone else's, right? right. Like, like, but because I think that's a, the, for people who wear cargo shorts, that's often a, a default position uh, <laughs> like like obviously you know well what you got to do is you got to get up there and get in those gutters yourself you can't pay somebody for that and it's like well you're gonna fall off and break your neck oh what do you mean you know i'm i'm the best at doing gutters ever i know everything heavy heavy yeah. is the burden right that's what yeah. the pockets are pockets carry the burden no so i am i am fully acknowledging that we are not the authorities on this but if you're listening to this podcast, you know who we are. And so this can provide, at least in that context, some understanding of how some of these things are working. And I also often fantasize. Mark, you let me know if you fantasize about this, too. I fantasize about this a lot, which mm-hmm. is that someday, many, 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 many years from now, there's going to be some sort of horrible cataclysm and like a whole bunch of information about the modern day is going to be lost. But but our podcast will still exist. I, and I somebody thought this. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and the main reason I fantasize this is because we've recorded so much for so long. And so, like, if it would just be interesting to try to reconstruct history, the history of this era 
that we've been talking through. Maybe the two or three eras we've been talking through just from the Overthinking It podcast, which is, again, we, we, hugely we, egotistical. The, the podcast has existed for most, if not all, of Taylor Swift's eras. So oh, that's, that's, that's pretty true. decent coverage. Yeah, those yeah. are the uh, eras of which, of course, you know, like the the year 3000 uh, anthropologists are going to be concerned with. Yeah. yeah. So even if you're not particularly interested in our opinion of any of this, uh, you it might be interesting to see because this is such a major thing to see where it intersects with this podcast and how. And I think this cuts to the quick of the fact that we're watching this on Instagram stories, which which is uh, it's just it's just. I don't know if anybody else is actually experiencing it this way, but I was not shocked to find that you and I were experiencing this similarly, which is I have so many friends who have posted Instagram stories from Taylor Swift concerts and famous people, you know, that I associate with on Instagram or have looked up on Instagram who have posted these these Instagram stories from Taylor Swift concerts in this tour in recent time. And and outside of that. The main point of reference I have for it is how what bad luck she's been during the NBA playoffs, where it's like there's a correlation between the city she's in and that team losing at any given time. Like when she was in Florida, Miami lost to Atlanta in the play-in. When she was in Philly, the, the Philadelphia lost. When she was in Boston, the Celtics lost. Right. So like that's the other way that I've been following this. But but with Instagram, I'm not getting uh, a sort of constructed textual account of what's happening. Like yes, there is text. But really what you're getting is a collage of moving images and sounds and yep. usually not even really sounds. Right. Mostly it's it's just the images uh, that, that are taken from different directions of different parts, different times during the show, but which through the show's staging are all seemingly connected with each other. Right. Like they, it looks like you're looking at the same thing from different angles. And so it feels like I can almost build a 3D map of what this show looks like based on all of the different Instagram stories that I've gotten from different places of people watching this show. And right. Like there sense- are different venues, but all ostensibly like the same ish show like what well, there's that long like you know runway yes um, yes which, yes yeah, yeah. and they're, they're all almost all like in, in big like you know outdoor arenas football stadiums yes i've got that, so that, that sameness to them but they're all like a little bit different yeah yeah like i believe uh i don't want to say anything that's incorrect so i'll make it more general well i'll say things that are incorrect but i don't want to say th- something i know is incorrect which is that like i watch somebody who's an opening act for taylor swift and it'll show them backstage you know getting prepared to go out and so i have a sense that i even know like what the area backstage of some of these venues is like, right. Um, and, uh, and so, so there's this sense of this constructed space because that's kind of how the brain builds reality, right? Like that's why movies work Mm -hmm. is that you can see a series of images, still images, and your brain is in the constant process of computing sensory information and processing it and constructing uh, a sense of reality from it. You know, a sense of your environment, your your what you're touching, what you're smelling, what you're seeing, building that area around you. Uh, this is one of those things that you either learn in like advanced cognitive science, like or at least in like rudimentary cognitive science on like the undergraduate level or in driver's ed, right? which is like, you know, what you're looking at. You think you're looking at everything, but you're really not right. You can't actually see most of what you think you can see at any given time. You know, your point of focus is usually pretty small. You're picking up stuff in your peripheral vision, but the sense of the sort of wide experience of your room that you're currently in or whether you're on a train or you're outside, like that's being built for you by your brain out of all the disparate information that's coming to you from your various senses. Right. And so, like, 
there is there are certain things you can do in life that seem to naturally and comfortably fit the way the brain likes to process information that you seem to take too naturally, even if there's nothing natural about them. And I think one of them is reconstructing the experience of a Taylor Swift concert from Instagram stories. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just, it just feels like it's a place that I can conceive of as existing, which has all these difficult and problematic concepts associated with it. Uh, well, problematic, I should say challenging because that's what I mean, like as in presenting issues and problems. Um, but like, uh, you know, like yep, for yep, example, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, unpack it. Well, what's, oh, well, what's, so, so for example, right. Uh, you know, do you think computers can be sentient, right? <laughs> or conscious, right? Do you think a computer can be conscious? That, that's right? the first, that's the first place the train of thought goes from, uh, from the, 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 the fragmented, uh, collage of Taylor Swift concerts. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. Tell me, tell me, draw, draw the line. Take me there. Okay. Um, so I'll explain to you, you know, what I mean. From the shaky. Okay. Like I'm going from like, you know, uh, kind of blurry, uh, Instagram, you know, cell phone video of a Taylor Swift concert posted to Instagram and compressed to hell and back. And like, okay, okay, fine. Maybe I turn the sound on and yes, I can actually hear it. Okay. Yes. I can hear that song. And I understand it. How do I get from there to, uh, judgment day from Terminator? Yeah. <laughs> well, a little, okay. So I'll, I'll ask you, how do you know that a computer, uh, you could say is conscious is sentient. People use different words because they seek different ways of defining or understanding it. But what we're really talking about is, oh, is your computer sufficiently complex and sufficiently developed that it achieves something resembling the experience of a person, right? Uh, you know, the kind of the kind of thing that like data you would not want to like, you know, disassemble without due process of law, right? That kind of thing. Okay. Um, and I'm not here to discuss specifically what is the case with that kind of uh, claim, but rather how do you go about arriving at an answer to that question? And one, the way that people will say that they do it is through like philosophy of mind or through you know, uh, neurology, like, well, you know, the brain has networks and like, you might talk about, for example, how it's impossible to map, uh, individual, uh, uh, images to individual neurons in your brain because you don't have enough neurons to capture, uh, all of the images that you look at. Um, and so they have to appear through networks, like the data of the images that you see in your brain has to be stored across networks of multiple neurons for each thing. Uh, I think there was one experiment where one person had like one neuron that always fired when they looked at Jennifer Aniston. But in general, that's not the case, right? Like things are sort of assembled. And in that sense, you could think of a machine memory that works off of a neural network as similar to a human's memory, et cetera, et cetera. You could look for functional differences and similarities between how people think and how machines think. You could try to define what thinking is and try to mimic it through machinery or look for processes that resemble it. You could... Um, think about it philosophically, right, as opposed to merely like uh, uh, biologically and kind of, well, you know, how do we know? How can we assert that we know that we're conscious? Uh, none of these answer the question the way that it's answered in real life, though, at least in my experience, which is I will ask you, Mark, how do your kids know that you exist as a person different from them? Wow. Okay. I was not prepared to answer that, 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 that I mean, okay. I don't want, you don't have to answer that question. That's okay. That, okay. Like okay. the shock of that okay. question. It's a big jump, right? Yes. It's a big jump, right? And, and, uh, the, the answer is that, you know, the problem of other minds, right? Philosophy of other minds 
right. is a yep. developmental skill that appears at a certain point in a person's life, yeah. right? Yeah, like, yeah, okay, okay. like you can't do it when you're really, really young, and then you get older and you seem to develop a capacity for it, which is to uh, to imagine or understand that other people are like you, but not part of you, yep. right? That other people have their own experience that's not your experience. Uh, and that this is something that you can see happening in child development uh, well before they're able to able to understand any of these philosophical, scientific, you know, neurological, computational explanations for what the conscious mind is. You see children arrive at that conclusion. And I would not say that this is a sense that they have some sort of superior knowledge because, you know, they if you, you let them, they would just eat frosted mini wheats all the time and nothing else. So, like, they're clearly not that smart. But uh, they, they would eat until they can't poop. That's what kids would do. And then and then they would complain that they can't poop. Um, and uh, it's like, dude, you can't eat just bananas and yogurt. It's going to make you sick. Uh, but the this, point this is purely is, hypothetical, right? Oh, purely hypothetical. Oh, the, course, point, yeah. the point is that this is an example of something that your brain figures out and computes sort of, I don't want to say naturally, but there's a developmental process wherein coming to the conclusion that other people have a consciousness like yours seems to be something that the human brain is predisposed to be capable of doing, which is not something that you should take for granted is like something that all systems would be capable of doing. I'm not confident that one tree knows that it's different from another tree, right? Uh, I don't, I, I don't I have no way of knowing that in particular, but I do know from watching that, that uh, happen to a kid that there's a sort of before and after. Right. There's a yeah. before. And, and the similarity I'm drawing there is merely one of that. There are different types of information that you arrive at and you think you're arriving at it out of a rational explanation, you know, philosophical explanation, scientific explanation, empirical or something, you know, spiritual, mystical. I'm not I don't want to discount those things. Right. I don't want to say like, oh, there's no possible way that you can meditate upon the possibility of other consciousnesses and arrive at something out of there. And I'm not saying that all these other arguments are also invalid. I'm instead suggesting that there is some sort of observable way in which you seem to be able to pick this thing up. And there are other things that are much harder to pick up, that, that it's really hard for people to get or understand. Right. Like, you know, uh, like like stopping at a stop sign when no one else is around. Right. Like like people really struggle. I want to think of like ergonomics. Right. If you have an ergonomic design that makes it like really awkward to like walk around a post. Right. Like people are going to try to find some sort of way of shortcutting it, even if it's like really dangerous or like inappropriate or damaging or something. Right. Like like there are certain things the human brain is really bad at doing. Uh, one that comes to mind is like you know, obeying, obeying ergonomic and use rules that are like against the uh, easiest, most convenient and least painful way of doing something. Sure. Uh, but, but, uh, but, but things they are very good at is like constructing the idea of a imagined experience, right? Constructing the idea of someone else experiencing something that you're not personally experiencing, okay, building a you. 3d yep. environment out of like 2d images, right? Mm -hmm. um, these are all things that the human brain seems to be pretty good at doing. Uh, and Taylor Swift is is uh, is right there in the middle of the panopticon with all the cameras turned on her. Uh, and uh, and I find that to be kind of a fascinating little moment. Um, so. Is the idea that like th this is OK. Are, are you are you then talking about like the, there's like a ghost in the machine of sorts or like, you know, that uh, like all the cumulative content that's being posted on social media through Instagram stories is like um, is 
what? Like, there's some. Is there? Is just pretty kind of a theoretical ana- analogy you're talking about here, or like an actual like artificial intelligence construct? See how quickly you make. See how quickly and naturally you make that leap into believing that the sum of my watching or your watching of Instagram Live could itself comprise a separate consciousness. Um, if if Richard, our dear philosophy friend Richard, were on the podcast, he's been talking to me about some of his ideas lately, and he might have an argument around those lines. But I don't. No, I'm merely talking about the fact that you can imagine it, and it's like a cultural experience. I mean, you could you could characterize it if you wanted to as like shamanic, right? In the sense that it's a, uh, in the sense that that uh, some particular sorts of writing and literature have this sort of shamanic aspect of it has the capacity to transport your way of thinking about yourself and and your the extent of your reality into a different state and a different reality that's that has some bearing or insight in it um and i would say that looking at other people's taylor swift instagram stories it's it feels like if i were to just look at those like if i were to just like really mainline instagram stories about this taylor swift concert for not and and the reason that i'm saying it's one concert what's interesting is again it's many concerts that are happening in different places that are being watched by different people uh with a with a similar vibe and like how much they like what they're watching that's the other part of it is like there's a real similarity and parallel across the different experiences that i'm seeing like through their eyes with like what their attitude is about what they're experiencing right like there's a that that leads that makes it easier to latch on to the idea that it all feels related right uh which is which is that the, there are patterns and of course the brain loves patterns but no i'm not suggesting that this thing actually has a life of its own um and and that perhaps our 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 desire to intuit that it does is perhaps uh an outgrowth of the and a sort of unintended and kind of maladaptive outgrowth of the uh, natural capacity that we arrive at as children to understand that other people are not us, mm-hmm. which, you know, which we then could arrive at and think that like, you know, if you look at a, uh, an electrical socket, you might think that it's a person because it has an eyes and a mouth, right? Like, and then that part of your brain is really keyed into, you know, uh, uh, looking at faces. And then you could extrapolate that to all sorts of like misconceptions about everyday objects, but, uh, uh, and cars, you know, this car's happy, that car's sad. Um, even to the point where they designed it to anticipate that sort of thing. But no, no, I'm not saying that that the uh, that the nexus of Swift has achieved sentience. Uh, not yet, anyway. But maybe. Uh, okay, if not that, then Pete, what do we talk about when we talk about <laughs> the nexus of Swift? So okay, is it, is it like is is it like the 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 kind of the performative aspect of of posting in social media that has like changed quite a lot over the years, and yet like still kind of resolves into a certain um, noticeable style. Um, at least like among our pure set that we see, um, or is it something else? So I have a, I have a little mini theory about this, Mark, sure. and it starts with Hearthstone. Are you familiar with Hearthstone? Mm, can't say I'm no, is it a game? It's like a, yeah, it's, uh, a, it's a video game. It's like a phone game. It's a blizzard okay. clone, not clone. It's a blizzard. It's a, it's a, it's a customizable card game, similar to magic, the gathering made by blizzard entertainment, the makers of Warcraft, world of Warcraft, all that stuff. Uh, that uh, takes place in the universe of, of, of World of Warcraft. Gotcha, okay, okay. And the reason I bring up Hearthstone is it's the first game I remember that had a dialogue function that was extremely limited between the players, right? Where where mm. instead of... Because one of the things that happened when gaming went online is that chat became a feature that was built into most games. 
that you would play online with people. Some form of chat, either either built into the game natively or part of the client that you ran the game through because everybody wanted you to socialize through the games, et cetera, et cetera. You're talking about like just text chat typing your, your computer uh, in addition to voice chat? Yeah, te- uh, some sort of unrestricted way to communicate through language with somebody that you were playing with or against, Pete, either text chat or voice chat. What could chat. possibly go wrong? Well, exactly. We all know what went wrong, which was that it was horrible and terribly unpleasant. Uh, and that and that even if most of it was fine, enough of it was unpleasant that people generally didn't want to do it. But the main takeaway is not all of that, because I think that's a bold claim to try to back up. The point was that Hearthstone is the first game I remember that instead of giving you the option to chat with the other person or not at all chat with them and like put it on a client or make you do it through a different platform, gave you like four or five dialogue boxes that you could hit. That would be like, thanks, you know, good job or whatever. I mean, you know, uh, you know, a good game, you know, like, uh, oops, like stuff like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Where where you could say hand, a few hand things. Responses, yeah. Hand responses. And since then, I feel like hand responses have gotten a lot more popular uh, in in games. And I, they serve not, I think, as a uh, as a particularly influential thing in themselves, as much as they are endemic of this larger phenomenon, which is this theory, which I'm talk- going to talk about now, which, again, a lot of it's just conjecture. You let me know what you think about it. But the, it's called the Great Recoil, okay. Uh, and and so some years ago we recorded a podcast called Four Chanic Discourse, uh, which classic. I felt like was was very predictive, and way very ahead of its time. Yeah, and and, yeah. and some of the things I was trying to articulate when we were talking about this podcast, Four Chanic Discourse, I was I was talking about I believe the phenomenon of one message board invading another message board, and what that meant, right? The idea that there were these discursive modes of power. That were that existed on the internet in social platforms on the internet, counting bulletin boards as social platforms, and that these discursive modes of power uh, could be acted upon with various sorts of free rider problems. That they had various sorts of practical uh, incentives that were not being taken into account by the way that people were currently using a lot of these platforms. Um, that somebody could just get a bunch of people together and brigade you, right? The idea of brigading is part of this, right? Like that you mm-hmm. could, that if somebody had created a particular space and they were used, now, nowadays we have much more comfortable language for all this stuff, right? Like safe spaces and whatnot. That like, yeah. if you had built a safe space for your friends to talk about something, somebody else who is from an opposing group could get a group of people together, or of course, a group of bots, right? Of fake accounts or sock puppets. Maybe they even run them themselves manually and they could like, invade you or brigade you and influence your group and like fill it with their content. They could, you know, any sort of content prioritization system they could undermine and destroy that. There was just this capacity that people had to do this to each other. And, yep. and, you, and you were describing yeah. that also like in count countering the uh, notion at the time that, Oh, all this online stuff, it's just purely online and it's kind of inconsequential. Yes, um, yes, and, yes. And that's not too much of a straw person, right? No, like, I don't think so. That, and again, I don't have the thing in front of me, and I might be giving myself more credit again, because again, we start out this by saying we don't really know all that much. But I think the idea was like, this stuff is going to end up being important, because this is really powerful to be able to do this to people. And it turned out to win the presidency of the United States, among other things, yeah. as well as take over yeah. several other countries. Pete, I, I listened right? to, I, yeah, I, oh God, yeah, all that <laughs> happened. Yeah, I listened to this, re-listened to this episode, like I'd say a few years ago, like within the last five years, certainly. Um, and there's just a lot of like, yep. Yeah, yeah. Pete, Pete totally nailed that way, uh, you know, many, many years before. I, uh, I, I do often else. say that the but, biggest joke and biggest secret of overthinking it is how often we're right about things. Because uh, we're really not trying to do that all that much. <laughs> it's like a big gist of what we're doing. But, but okay, so this happened, right? Now we're, we're very much in the after of all this. Because one of the things that happened is that all these tactics – 
They became heavily weaponized. They're, as is often the case with freed rider problems, they lead to tragedies of the commons and, and places that had been shared because the incentives were kind of being voluntarily resisted by social norms or just by lack of people taking advantage of them became unbearable. Right. They just became unusable, unbearable. Uh, obviously, we all know everything with the algorithm. We've talked about it up the wazoo. The algorithm really prioritized things that made people upset. And then eventually, uh, you know, folks left. Right. People leave the party. Uh, now, I'm not saying that they've you know, things have gone back to the way they were. They haven't. But if you go to Facebook these days, it's a very different experience than it used to be. And I think people have spent so much time talking about the phenomenon of, well, what's the next thing that everybody's going to do that maybe we don't stop and think about, well, why, what is the thing that we're not doing um, and why? And I don't think it's just because TikTok is cooler. Um, I think that there was this, you know, big extended, extended, extended moment where a lot of people uh, met with people they knew in real life, right? Uh, Or like people they had, you know, real life contingent relationships with in these environments of like extreme hostility and manipulation and and also just like total lack of context and norming about like what you want to talk about. Like when I go back, I occasionally go back to Facebook. I very rarely use it these days. Um, I, 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 I at one point I dropped out of it for three years. Remember back even before all this stuff happened. Um, but when I do go back to Facebook, I do notice that like every once in a while the conversation uh, every once in a while, I mean, like once a session, there's a conversation that comes up that angers me. That's with random people that I know in real life and like think well of. But I want to like get in an argument with them about it because it's like psychologically it hits me in a particular way. And it's like, why did I ever spend any time doing this? You know, that that really echoes. Not like, why that's did I ever your observation, Pete? Like, I have a different observation, but I think it's, it's still all driving to the same point. Like this, uh, this what you call a great recoil in terms yeah. of like diving into the space and then recoiling and pulling back. Yeah. Which yeah, is that exactly. like everybody just put everything out there. Yes. And the arguments just like overwhelmed. And now the content that's putting that at least again in my peer set content's being put out there is much more anodyne. Um, something that, you know, is, uh, you know, an appropriate socially acceptable flex, like posting yourself at the Taylor Swift concert. Mm-hmm. Right. The um, not that like, you know, the 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 political complaints and rants and, you know, the expressions of outrage about things have completely existed. Um, but they're far fewer. Um, the other thing also, just frankly, like, you know, I've pruned out, you know, the, the, the most, uh, uh egregious, uh, let's just call it what it is. Right wing, uh, you know, high school friends from my various social graphs. So I just like, don't see that anymore. And that's also part of the great recoil. But anyway, that's like, that's, it might be, I don't know, maybe we're talking about the same thing, Pete, like, um, how do you process kind of what, what, I, what I'm observing with uh, with your experience? Yeah. And so I think starting with Snapchat, I think you start seeing platforms that are people were talking about, oh, this is going to be the next thing, because we are all used to this idea of at that time that there would be a social network and people would go and jump from one social network to another social network because they wanted a fun new thing. Right. And like nothing, none of these trends would last forever. You would go from Friendster, you would all go to MySpace, then you would go to Facebook and you go to the next thing. Chasing novelty. Yeah. yeah. Newer ways of expression. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And then, of course, they figured out the same trick that pickle companies came up with many years ago, which is that if you make 15 different kinds of pickles all with the same brand, people could switch pickles all the time as many often as they want and still buy your pickles, right? It's, you don't have to actually change to a different brand of pickles uh, if there's 25 different times of Clausen's. Uh, and I think that's even more pronounced in the mustard space. Uh, and of course, I, I'm from, of course, 
Uh, I want to say I, this is probably false, but I want to say I'm from the home of Ray Papon, New Jersey. I think it might have just been uh, imported. Or, Ooh, I don't think it's actually fa- fancy. fancy, fancy, fancy mustard. It's not really all that fancy or from anywhere that exotic. I mean, the, the other example, the other uh, obvious uh, example of that phenomenon is dating apps, right? Which is mm-hmm. very, you know, it's, it's, it's all other thing, but kind of, you know, again related to the online space and performativity and all that kind of stuff. Sorry, yeah. keep, keep going. Okay, so so I guess. I think there was a, assumptions. There were there were discursive assumptions based on our experience. Again, we're old enough that we were around for the very beginning of Friendster. Yep. Right. Going into MySpace, going into Facebook, and then of course this you know the the leap out of Facebook, then the sort of scattering that happened when you know Facebook kind of became a echo chamber of canister and ball bearings firing in all directions all the time, uh, and also especially an, an area of hostility. Um, from from older people toward younger people, which I think is still very prevalent on that times. Um, so uh, I'm trying to and now I'm also looking up where Grey Poupon is currently made. I guess they say it's from France. It's made by Kraft, uh, you know, whatever. I'm not. So does, therefore it is it is from everywhere and nowhere at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, maybe it's Michigan. Maybe it's Pennsylvania. Who really knows? The the point of, that I'm talking about also. OK, so to get to the point that. The social networking tools started to respond or the social networking tools that people started to use started to show this Hearthstone phenomenon of just like not giving you the user experience of talking to people anymore. Right. Like 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 just like like limiting intuitively limiting the 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 what you would do on the platform by changing the way in which you would express yourself and in particular just like really deprioritizing a chat window or a voice chat and giving you other tools for interaction right so like now the big thing that snapchat is recalling from is the idea that everything you do is going to be preserved you know right and it's this idea of like well we'll give you a platform where the things that you do aren't preserved and then it's like well you can still preserve them through screenshots and stuff and it's like well yeah but like it sort of seems like the norm that they aren't going to be preserved and that's the kind of the way people will behave on it. And like, yes, you could preserve it, but we're all kind of like, we're not operating under that kind of early classical notion that social media is going to create a universal conversation, right? That more people are going to join it, that you will have your social networks. Other people will have their social networks, the connectors that will connect the social networks. And each of us will all be talking to each other about the things that we're interested in. And the more that we connect with each other, then the more and bigger and greater this conversation will become. uh, And, and thus like the value of it is going to keep going up. Right. Which in, instead, of course, what happened is because we broke down the barriers and boundaries that we're setting the norms for our conversations. A lot of our conversations started getting a lot more hostile and nasty. And, yep. um, and, and, uh, and so people started seeking out these kinds of boundaries again. Right. And, uh, and I think one of the big ways they do it is through the functions of the apps that they use. And then in turn, what that ends up doing is the, the restrictions breed creativity and the cultural experiences and artistic experiences that you have in these apps are of course informed by the constraints that are on the apps and and so there's a cycle between why people might leave a place like Facebook for your app, which might be because of something like, oh, you know, the stuff on it isn't preserved, right? And that's that's Snapchat. Or it might be something like, oh, you can't write anything long on it because the long stuff is really what I don't like. And that's that's where the original concept of Twitter is, right? Is like I'm getting away from the idea that it, that everyone's just going to pontificate all the time. Get to the point. Make it short, right? Um, yep. Or even like it's like, okay – um, you, let's take that to the another extreme. Let's do Vine, 
right? And it's going to be video and it's going to be short. And it's also all going to feel kind of disposable, right? And so with Vine, it's intuitive to understand that certain styles of art and culture were, you know, gave, were birthed and reinforced on Vine by virtue of the platform. And the reasons that people are using the platform aren't necessarily the virtues or, I mean, interesting things, compelling things uh, culturally that come out of a platform. Like why you use it might not be what's good about it. But you might retroactively go back and say, well, the reason that I liked to do it was because, you know, uh, of the funny videos that were on it. It's like, well, yeah, but I don't think that's a, that's originally why people were going to it. I think people were going to it because the idea of making something short that was kind of low effort-ish, right? Like not low effort-ish, but like easy to put together by just you, right? Um, and that and that was not going to be like sucked into the conversation of all against all um, what was, yeah. was attractive, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so like, so I think what I'm what I'm suggesting here is, of course, that we're in this this point of relative stability with short form video, right? Briefly, uh, as a way of communicating with each other, not just about stuff in general, but about our lives, right? Whether that's like TikTok or Instagram Reels, and that there are conventions that have come out of these things. And again, you and I, we're both not on TikTok. We can't really speak to TikTok, right? Right. Right. right? We we mostly are on. I mean, also. We have little kids and much of our I mean, I don't know about you, but most of my social media, like most of what anybody cares about on social media that I ever post is about my kids. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like and I know some people don't the post their kids on social set. media. Yeah. My kids, they will meet you on the street. They are very extroverted people. I'm not going to hide them, you know, um, in, to that degree. Again, don't don't seek them out. Uh, you will not be a welcome presence. But uh, but I'm not I, I've not been shy about posting pictures of my kids, especially my friends. I got a lot of feedback during the championship season from people that it really cheered them up to see these pictures of like my newborn baby. Right. Yeah. Um, which yeah. which was uh, which was not I mean, not what you would expect, because when you before in the old times in the long, long ago, before uh, before Captain Walker landed us here in the Australian Outback um, by Thunderdome, the uh, like how popular people's babies were was like a source of consternation and. And, and frustration for me, at least on social media, right? It's like, I don't, I don't, why does everyone care about it? It was just a widespread joke. Nobody cares about your baby. And now it's like, oh yeah, you think nobody cares about my baby? Nobody cares about me. Everyone cares about my baby, right? Like, like nobody cares about anything I do that doesn't involve my kids, right? Like nothing, no funny thing I ever came up with, no clever idea I ever had, nothing I ever wrote or did has ever attracted as much positive attention as a single picture of one of my babies, Right. Um, and you, you and got those. The, the app gives you the engagement um, stats. Exactly. Inform you exactly of this. Yeah, that's what it wants me to do. Right. And so, like, then the art that gets created is informed by that. But the the uh, that is also, I think I'm just suggesting that might be a reason why you and I spend a lot of time on Instagram is because we have we look at pictures of kids. We have pictures of kids to share. Right. Like sharing pictures with loved ones in particular is like something that we're going to be doing uh, because they want to see our kids and we want to see their kids and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, so, so let me just as a as a jumping off point. So we started talking about engagement and the feedback loop that it gets that it, that it gives you, and kind of like you know uh, where these platforms you know funnel your activity and things like that. And uh, let's 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 jump platforms and talk about Twitter. Sure, sure, for sure, a second, sure, sure. Right. So and like and I, I talked about the engagement piece there because um and and it's also tied into this kind of you know this this. Uh, Uber conversation where everybody's coming together and talk about everything and, and, and which is like it has these ostensible benefits, but, um, you know, just kind of uh, only seems to only deliver cost. Um, Pete, I don't know about you, but I was like on Twitter and trying to be do the Twitter thing. 
by which is like be a clever person uh, right. in the mix of a club of people and talking about like politics and pop culture, which again, like pretty much everyone else on Twitter is trying to do exactly the same thing. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I had built up like at least the illusion of an audience um, from the folks uh, by and large, like all of you who are listening to the show, you know, the, at least those of you on Twitter, like who will follow me. And I was like, Oh, Hey, look at this. Like my follower count is coming up. Like I got people I can talk to. Um, and I'll put stuff out there and like every once in a while, I'll get a reaction. Um, but over time, um, I found that basically was not the case. So uh, I'm also going to use this as an opportunity here to just like read a couple of uh, tweets that I put out there on Twitter that did not get much engagement at all. And use this opportunity to read them into the record because uh, this is also part of our conversation here around like, you know, the tools that we are given and the types of expressions they encourage and the feedback loops uh, that they get. All right. You ready, Pete? I'll take that as a yes. Oh, yes. yes um, I'm no, ready. no objections. OK, 100 percent. First one is is a picture. So I'm going to have to describe this because, you know, a podcast is a is an auditory medium. Um, uh, heart and sparkly emoji present from Don Corleone in all caps, um, closed with again, heart and sparkly emoji. And it's a picture of a unicorn head, a toy unicorn head, <laughs> <laughs> just the head though. Right. Um, and it's just like, just like lying on the floor inert. Um, this is a toy. It's meant, you know, for small children to braid the unicorns. Um, and it's of course a reference to uh, you know the scene in The Godfather where, um, spoiler alert, um, a, a a a a victim of the mob's ire um, wakes up with a severed bloody head horse uh, in his bed. Um, I thought this was solid gold, Pete. You know how many likes it's got on Twitter? <laughs> you know how many likes it's got? Just oh, guess. probably what five hundred, fifteen hundred, three. 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 And also, um, uh, brilliant uh, man child Elon Musk, uh, you know, one of his decisions was to put a view count on tweets now. And I can tell you how many people viewed the damn thing. How many 99. People viewed 99. 99. <laughs> 99. Not so great. Can I just say right. how I love how deep overthinking it has gone through the looking glass that we're now doing spoken word of like ancient tweets that we did <laughs> that we think were funny back in the day? I, lo- I-, I love it. I love it. When was this to- posted, content, by the way? Con- this is good what, content. This is, what year uh, was this? This is uh, Jan- from January from earlier this year. Oh, this year. Okay, okay. So yeah, we're not yeah, talking yeah. about ancient history here. We're talking about modern. We're talking I, about I mean, I, on Twitter. It, 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 it's, uh, it, it might as well be ancient history. It feels Fair like enough. a long time ago. Yeah. Okay, next tweet I'll read into the record and then let's open up for discussion. <clears throat> also from January. This is really like you know this is uh this is this is this is when I realized the platform wasn't wasn't doing doing it for me. I was, it was getting more for me than I was getting from it. Uh, free idea for a sound of music video game. Uh, the occasion for this, of course, we had just recorded our sound of music podcast after we went to see the stage show. Part one: Command a submarine in World War One. Part two: Rhythm game on the park steps. Part three: Dating RPG. Part four: Survival slash stealth game. Bonus DLC: Rolf POV first person shooter. And the name of this game is Call of Duty Melodic Warfare. <laughs> right? Isn't that a good tweet, Pete? Isn't that funny? Isn't that I, I mean, it's it's a little complicated, but yeah, sure, definitely. <laughs> I feel like there's got to be people out there who love the sound of music, right? Yeah, yeah. For the very narrow Venn diagram, people who love the sound of music and also love video games, um, of which I'm, you know, one of dozens. I'm sure dozens. Um, and, you know, likes that, that one got tweet. Uh, how many likes that? 20,000. Again, three. Three. Nearly three. Yeah. <laughs> and, a, and a whopping 200 views. Oh, whopping man. 200 views. So, Pete, what do you make of that? Right? Like, my, you know, eight, like the, 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 the content that I put out there and the lack of reaction um, and, and my uh, slowly walking away 
um, from Twitter, not just because it's become a dumpster fire and the whole Elon, uh, this, that, and the other, but also because um, it has failed to deliver on its value propositions of like, oh, you're in a conversation with everyone and um, you know your, your good stuff is going to set the world on fire. I think it's interesting that the base response that I think you might encounter to this kind of inquiry would be feedback on how to use Twitter better. Right. Which is the the arcana, right? The uh, the esoteria that are associated with each of these platforms where it's like, well, you know, if you really want to get your tweets out there, you have to get them out at a certain time of day every day or deal with the audience. The the um, to stay away from that, to step away from that and, right. and just to, to critique it or call it out a little bit as, um, you know, you you are you are it's circular reasoning because, you know, you're you're looking at this thing that exists in the context of it having been built and maintained to do this stuff. And uh, even if it behaves in an unpredictable or like unintended way, uh, it's still, you know, is something that has been constructed. And so the rules, you know, that you might norms that you might abide by in order to, uh, you know, to to uh, abide by its construction and to gain its rewards are still not like independently of the realities of the platform, like useful, or interesting or valuable information. Right. Like it's it's uh it's like it's like witchcraft stuff, right? It's like uh, I actually um, there's a great book and I and I um, I won't talk about the actual book uh, because it is not appropriate for this conversation. But there's a great book um, called Racecraft, uh, which I, I read, which is all about you know, it's all about structural racism and economic and social race, racism in America and and other places in the world. So I highly recommend it. But um and I'm looking up to make sure I get the uh, get the author correct. But the concept that what the core concept they introduced at the beginning of the book is the idea that if you are looking for witches, you can find evidence that people are witches, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like like as in if you've predetermined that a, that a witch uh, is is exists, right? And then you're looking for the effects of witchcraft on people. You can find things that you could then attribute to them through various sorts of correlations that might seem causal. Like, oh, this person has like inexplicable headaches and like he went and hung out with this woman, you know, and like this person doesn't and he didn't hang out with her. And like, look, there's evidence that there's a witch. Right. Uh, And again, that's an extreme example. And the whole exercise is a bit extreme. Uh, But the point is that is is to be cautious about taking for granted the uh, the sort of explanations of a constructed system, um, uh, and, and that they that they themselves are not just a sort of cyclical uh, uh, follow on from the fact that the uh, that the system has been constructed and that you sort of have bought into the existence of the system. Mm-hmm. Uh, Karen Fields and Barbara Fields are the authors. It's called Racecraft: The Soul of Inequality in American Life, and and I and I like the book, uh, and I won't go into any of its other claims. Because I respect it too much. But the point being that like Twitter craft, right, or like LinkedIn craft, right, this idea that like, <laughs> oh, well, there's certain ways that you should behave and, and things you should do in order to be successful on a given social media platform. Well, this is all contingent on that platform existing and being something that you care about. Right. And, and I think that that the dis- I mean, that seems obvious. But I'm calling it out here because my impulse in hearing that would be to prescribe something like that as if it's a cure to a disease. Right. <laughs> like like as if there's actually a, something wrong that that like you posted this picture of a unicorn and only three people on this platform clicked on it. And it's like that's a problem for you. That makes you feel bad. 
you know, like, but why, <laughs> you know, and, and it's, and it's not out of anything that has to do with you. Right. It's not, it's not it's, because I desperately need attention, Pete. Well, everybody That's does. Why, it's why we do this podcast. We I hate when I hate attention. when people get mad at other people for wanting attention. Now, granted, I want attention. I'm a very extroverted person. Uh, I'm sure that I'm the butt of most of the jokes that introverted people make about extroverted people on on all that sort of stuff. Like I'm that kind of guy. But I will say that human beings are made are social creatures. You know, we do uh, typically want to be loved and accepted and paid attention to. And more importantly, like if we're operating under the sort of great conversation promise of social media, which is what, you know, we sort of came into it with, which is like, what's your favorite movie? What's your favorite book? That's the first information. Nobody shares that on social media anymore. Like it's not your pro like when was the last time you looked in someone's profile to find out what their favorite book was? Right. Like, but that was like 2005. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like that was when it started. It's like, oh, like I'm here to bring myself. And I'm here to be accepted. You know, I'm going to talk to the people that already like me. And I'm also going to solve this problem of not being able to talk to these people that I like and that already like me and that I can like, yeah. experience the oh, mutual acceptance. Oh, so the idea reasonable. that you yeah. can make like a, a pretty funny unicorn visual joke in front of people who are ostensibly supposed to be your friends and you get this sort of deafening silence. It just it doesn't jive with the mental construction of what this thing is supposed to be doing. Right. Right. And, and I think this ties back to then. OK, so you then adapt to the environment. By, uh, well, okay. If the platform is smart, the platform reforms and reorganizes in such a way, you know, that it gives you ways to engage with it to get more of what you want out of it and less of the problem. And this is the sort of like Hearthstone solution, which is like, well, just don't let people tell jokes in such a way that nobody laughs at them. You know, Instagram stories, you wouldn't necessarily, you wouldn't have that problem. Because <laughs> Instagram stories, it pre it's pre-decided that you're sharing it only with your friends. The platform is not right. Like the way that we're you and I are using the platform, we're not trying to put reels out. At least I'm not. I don't know if you are. But like when I post an Instagram story, I have no intention of it going to like a wider group of people. I don't care. I'm not at the point where I care right. at this point, which and, probably is a failure in terms of marketing overthinking it more than anything. And, and, um, and although although um, I mentioned, like, you know, the engagement stats and the racking up the likes and all that kind of stuff, actually, Instagram stories deprioritizes that. I exactly. Think, yeah. Right. It's not the, quite yeah. the same in way of like, you know, um, the, the desperate search for those heart buttons uh, that it is on Twitter. Right. Yeah. You can write text. I could write you a text reply to an Instagram story. I can count on one hand the number of times that's happened to me in the last year that someone has like written me a text reply to an Instagram story. Now it happens. And I've had occasional nice conversations as a result of it, but like compare that to Facebook where you would get, you could get like 50 responses real easy to something of everybody just yelling at each other um, or, or, or of having a good conversation either way. Right. But the bad ones are going to stick in your craw a little bit more. But the, 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 um, the idea being that the, the fact that these different platforms are emphasizing different things lead to people sharing different things. And it doesn't even have to be absolute, but like the, the information that somebody liked my thing is not of equal value on different platforms. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And as such, uh, the constructed, norms around liking things function differently on different platforms. Uh, and and I think that, so if you're talking about Taylor Swift uh, and a big Taylor Swift kind of victory lap concert, this is like, I have to imagine that this might be something that people thought that they would never get to do again during the championship season. And that this is feels like something of a, re, of a revival, of a rebirth 
mm-hmm. right? Of of a, a you know, sort of Taylor Swift went through that sort of very painful new album, new videos. And this is where I'm sort of like betraying my lack of real familiarity with 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 uh, Taysway and whatnot. But like there was this sort of painful a re-reckoning of Taylor Swift, like where she is in her career, where she is in her life, all of the, her fans kind of engaging with this and talking about it, all of their history, sort of that perspective of going from, you know, being the young person looking forward at romantic experience to being the older person looking backward at romantic experience. What I used to call the Tolkien's elf vibe, where it's, I didn't use the word vibe. It wasn't contemporary. It wasn't a big word. <laughs> but like the idea that like, you don't feel old, but you feel like the beauty of the world is fading, right? Like, like uh, that's how I felt when I was like 28, right? Like, it's like, I don't feel old, but I feel like there was this glory that's kind of going away, right? Um, and that I'm sort of holding on to, uh, and, uh, and not in a Bruce Springsteen type way with like my ripped jeans and stuff. Um, but, the, but the idea being that like, oh, actually getting to go and be at this concert is this kind of big experience of kind of renewal and rebirth and revitalization uh, that that people have gone through after this period of being separated from everybody and not getting to go to concerts. And then also kind of being through all this very difficult discourse around drink, around Taylor Swift and her legacy and her relationships and all that stuff to just be in a big room where everyone just loves what they're seeing and then sharing that with your friends on a platform that is prioritized to not let them shame you for it. Right. Right. Like, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Nobody yeah. ever sends me a message on Instagram. And again, if you start doing this, uh, go for it. But I would not be a fan of it. No one's like ugly baby. Right? Like when you share <laughs> an Instagram story of your baby. And part of it is like Instagram stories is not prioritized, not set up to make that easy to do. Right. Like, you know, like, oh, I have to click on it. I have to click on it to write a message. I can't just pick one of the emojis. None of the emojis are negative. Right. Like none of the default emojis for Instagram stories are like thumbs down. Right. Like uh, YouTube removing its thumb down. Right. Uh, another part yeah. of this whole like how do we ergonomically change how do we react to the great recoiling right by uh, by changing how our platform uh, you know deals with people and like am, yeah. do, it, am I conceiving of the great recoiling in a way that's matching the experience of the recoilers or do I am I conceiving of this as a problem for me and like what does that mean but the point being that like I felt like a lot of the Taylor Swift people were kind of on the same page about this and that that Instagram stories felt like the right place to find out about it, right? Like nobody was post. I wasn't reading people talking about it on Reddit. I wasn't reading people talking about it on Facebook. I wasn't on Facebook. Certainly didn't care what anyone had to say about it on Twitter. And I'm on Twitter, but like I don't tweet a lot. I often, um, I often feel like on Twitter that I'm. I always want to respond to somebody else, but I have nothing I want to tweet myself, which is mostly a sign that I'm unhappy on the uh, when I'm on it and I shouldn't be. On it. <laughs> Looking for something to react to, right? It's like, no, I I, I don't have anything to share. I'm not a brief person, Mark. I don't, I don't really believe in consolidating, you know, shortening what I say uh, to just once to half of a sentence. This Um, makes total sense, Pete. Yeah, I really struggle. I struggle on Twitter. I have since day one, and it's not been. I like, I think like twice as many Facebook friends as Twitter followers, um, and I haven't been on Facebook much in like the last like two years. But yeah, but going uh, back to the, the Instagram story piece, right? You know, like the, the visual medium is just like, yep, take a picture, right? Like, uh, you know, take a short video. Um, you were able to integrate that into your life again without you feeling like restricted because, again, the platform has guided you and like, you know, there's like a culture built up. Um, and the, the visual piece is like so much different than text as well. Which is really if you want to talk about Jake Gyllenhaal having Taylor Swift's scarf, that's a Twitter thread. 
Right. But if you want to share your experience of being at the concert, that's an Instagram story. Now, I'm not saying this just for the sake of making that kind of classification. It's more that as a result, we have this collage of Instagram stories of Taylor Swift concert, which is like a movie we've watched, basically. Mm-hmm. Right. This yeah. is like a TV show. It's, it's that not over. Uh, it's, yeah, yeah, it's a TV show. Yeah. That it's, it's We're still in the middle of the season. Yeah. I mean, I could talk about Barry, which I watched and like. Do you talk? You watch Succession, right? Um, are you what you finished Ted Lasso? I haven't finished Ted. Lasso. No, no, it's Ted Lasso and the, the Diplomat are a couple of shows that I've watched recently. I gotta watch the Diplomat because I like the Americans so much. Yeah, I love yeah, 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 Russell. yeah, yeah. But it's the kind of thing where like we're all watching those shows, but we're not watching the same ones at the same time, so we're not talking about them now. But even though you and I have never been to or even really probably considered buying tickets to a Taylor Swift concert, um. Oh, I tried. You know, I mean, oh, you a, did? Very, a very half-hearted attempt, you know, like enter the lottery or whatever. Oh, that's very nice. Was that for you? For yeah. you know, for myself and my wife. Like, yeah, yeah. Happen, but yeah. Oh man, I, I'm sorry for your loss. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did not try. Uh not be, just out of like, you know, not gonna do it. I mean, <laughs> there's I don't have to give a reason having a nine-month-old baby that I don't want to go to a stadium, uh uh stadium show, but um also, just in general, it's funny that I feel pressured to give a reason. But no, I was not. I don't go to <laughs> concerts a lot anyway. But the point being that, like, uh, this is a show we watched. The other people going to see Taylor Swift show. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah and yeah. that it has its, like, Downton Abbey moments, I guess. <laughs> it's, like, qualities. And and I'm curious to see. If you're going to talk about this episode with us, I want to hear what show you've watched. That isn't really con- traditionally conceived of as a show that's emerged. And really, this is an emergent phenomenon, right? Because you're talking about something that's almost fractal, where small changes in uh, an operation have are multiplied many times over and into increasingly complex systems and then arrive at unpredictably large and complex results. You know, such as like, oh, you know, maybe we shouldn't put a thumbs down uh, emoji on the Instagram uh, stories default screen uh oh now you have a collage of a uh, of a you know national taylor swift tour that exists that wouldn't have existed if you hadn't done that right um that, that this is an emergence if you want an example of emergence i think this the the this is an emergence but if there's yeah. another sort of emergence like this that you like i mean there's all the tiktok trends right which i don't follow because i'm not on tiktok um and those i would wonder t- talk to us about how much it feels like orchestrated or mimetic like people imitating each other people following each other or whether you're seeing anything that's really emerging from uh, the kind of nature and structure of uh, of how these sort of protective barriers and boundaries have been put up or or sought out by people who've recoiled from like changes of the social media landscape and we love to hear what you have to say on discord or tweet at us or send us an instagram story or i don't know what else is there i'm on elo i have an elo account that i haven't visited in Five wow. Years. I still wow. have the LO app on my phone. One every time I look at it, I'm like, I'm totally gonna check out LO. It's gonna be great. Um, one of these days, man, I'm gonna go back on LO and it, we're gonna burn the place down. It's gonna be awesome. It's a good <laughs> thing, not a bad thing. I don't know. I haven't been on LO in a long time. I don't know how they feel about fire, but um, it's gonna be great. It's gonna be a rager. Um, so uh Mark, thanks for joining. Appreciate yeah. you very much. One V yeah. Me Pro any day. I gotta play Jedi Survivor so we can talk about it um it's probably not gonna be soon <laughs> so maybe sometime uh pencil in the 18th 19th fast x yeah what's up yeah and no, i was just saying we should acknowledge that this is the end of our uh, uh you know three week streak without rather we did it no. man yeah this How is the do? end this is the end of the, this is the end of an era man if you want to review us on itunes 
now's your chance. This is a great time to review us because after this week, we're going back to the way we were. And if you want to express some feedback, uh, you know, give, leave us a five star and tell us how much you love us. Um, and, and in particular, how much more you love us uh, now. No, yes. I'll say that. Yeah. How much more <laughs> you love us next week when Rather's back? I, I would appreciate that. That would be nice. Maybe we can welcome Rather back with a bunch of five star reviews on various platforms where your podcasts can be found but not bought because uh, overthinking it is free. Uh, but our members do make us uh, survive with their financial support. And we're grateful for them. And Absolutely. you can find all of us on the web at Overthinking It, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny. It probably, probably doesn't, doesn't deserve. deserve. I don't know about you, Pete, but I'm feeling 42. <laughs> I was thinking, like, what Taylor Swift song should we go out with? Yeah, you're right. That's the one. That's, that's the one. Yeah. yeah. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling 42. <laughs> My calf is tensed up and I don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs>